uh, as something great, as a great teacher, a great philosopher, a, a wonderful moral man. Uh, they recognize that Christ is, is something great, but Christians recognize that Christ is my Lord. He, he's mine. And, and more than that, I would like to say that corporately we say that Christ is our Lord, that we are united together to him. By faith, And so he is ours. And it's not merely that Jesus is great, but that he's great for me and to me. He is our great king. Now Mark is writing his gospel once again to people who would be asking the question, why should I follow Jesus if he cost me so much? Because persecution is happening. Families are being dragged away and, and being persecuted and, and martyred for the faith. They're being... They're being tortured and killed for the sake of Jesus Christ. And the people Mark is writing to would say, well, why should I follow Jesus? And here Mark gives us his reasons to believe. See, a lot of people and a lot of things in this world are demanding our allegiance. Day after day after day, we, we are being asked to follow something. Your, your, your vote your allegiance in your vote is being asked for day after day after day. And your allegiance for what you buy, the products you buy, the brands you buy, day after day after day. They're demanding your allegiance. Everything in this world is demanding your time, your effort, your energy. But Jesus comes and says, I demand all of you. I demand your life. And so we, we need to ask the question, why should we give our lives to Christ? And Mark answers that question for us here today. I'm going to read this for us. This is, uh, again, Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 39. Hear God's good and kind word to you today. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Why have you, come, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once... His fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew and James and John. Now, or with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they took hold, immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next town, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Now let's pray and ask for the Lord's help in understanding his word. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for giving us this day. We thank you for giving us 
uh, your word. I pray that by it we might have life. Lord, uh, this is your word, and this is the word of glory and grace to us. Give us ears to hear it uh, for the sake of your glory and your kingdom. We pray it in Christ's holy name. Amen. I want you to see this passage in three ways today. Uh, First of all, we're going to see Jesus in his ordinary practice. His ordinary practice. Secondly, we're going to see uh, his extraordinary power. And then thirdly, we're going to see his driving purpose. So there's your three Ps. Practice, power, purpose. Practice, power, purpose. We're going to begin with his ordinary practice. Look in verse 21. Now, Jesus has just called his disciples, at least four of them at this point. And what does he do? He's the king. And he goes to church. Verse 21, and they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. Jesus is astonishingly ordinary. And in his ordinariness, he is incredibly uh, glorious. We always want the big thing. We want the big show, the the big event, the uh, big, big, big. Everything has to be big. It's like we live in Texas, right? Everything's supposed to be bigger over there. But Jesus doesn't operate in the big things. He has just begun his mission to conquer the world. He has collected an entourage, a posse, his hired men to come and to fight his battle with him and We would expect that he's going to go and do something big, and he goes to church. Jesus does three actual ordinary things here. The first one is going into the synagogue. That was their church for the day. They met on uh, their Sabbath, which was Saturday. When Jesus rose from the dead, the Sabbath became a Sunday, and that is why we meet on Sundays. But their Sabbath was on a Saturday, and Jesus goes to church. Um, this was Jewish church. What are the things that they did there? Well, they sang songs. They prayed together. They read God's word together. You know what we've done here today? We've prayed. We've sung songs. We've read God's word. And all of it will culminate in the preaching or the teaching of God's word. And typically, uh, this was all lay leadership, and, and one of the lay leaders would be asked to lead uh, the preaching and teaching for that day. So someone would read the scroll. Um, you can actually go back and look at Luke chapter 4 where Jesus does this. Uh, somebody reads the scroll or Jesus reads the scroll and then he sits down and begins to teach. That's how they taught. And today, because Jesus' his fame had been spreading, they knew that he had been preaching all over uh, the region of Galilee. So on this uh, Sabbath day, they said, Jesus, you're here. Why don't you preach for us? And he began to preach. So that was what he did. He went to church and he preached. Secondly, Jesus ordinarily, we see in verse 29, fellowships with God people, God's people. Look, uh, at the end of the service, what does he do? And immediately in verse 29, he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. So after the service, he goes to a home. And what are they going to do? Well, they're going to have a meal together. They're probably going to talk about the sermon. They're going to talk about the things that they heard that day. I want you to see that Jesus ordinarily, over and over and over, fellowships with God's people. He is with them, especially on the Sabbath. 
Jesus is not a loner. He is not off by himself. He's not doing things on his own. He is not closing himself off because he values relationships with God's people. So secondly, we see that Jesus ordinarily fellowships with God's people. And then thirdly, look in verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. Ordinarily, a pattern of Jesus in his ministry, he prays. He often prays. And here's the thing, he doesn't just pray privately, although he does that here. But over and over and over in his ministry, we see Jesus praying publicly. And not just praying publicly, but teaching how it is we should pray. You think of the Lord's Prayer. He teaches us how we should pray. He often prays publicly and privately. Now, why does he pray? What is he doing? Well, in prayer, the Christian has fellowship with God. And Jesus, as the Son of God, longs for communion and fellowship with his Father. And so... He goes to a quiet place to be with his father, to pray to him, to have communion and fellowship with him. If you want an example of of his prayer, the content of his prayer, I invite you to look at John chapter 17 this afternoon and read that prayer. To us, it's called the high priestly prayer, uh, but I would almost guarantee you that when Jesus prayed, he usually prayed in the way that he did in John 17. So those are the three things that Jesus ordinarily does. He goes to church, he fellowships with God's people, and he ordinarily prays. So what does all this mean for us? I want you to understand that Jesus makes use of God's means of grace. Jesus makes use of God's means of grace. What are means of grace? They are the, we call them the ordinary means of grace. the, The everyday, the ordinary things the preaching of the word, fellowship with God's people, prayer. You and I need to understand something that Jesus understood very well. The kingdom of God does not grow in the big things. The kingdom of God does not grow in the big flashy events or in the big events. It grows in the day-to-day, everyday, ordinary, mundane things of life. God has ordained that his kingdom and his church will grow through ordinary things like what we're doing here. Can you believe it? This morning, you have not come to simply listen to a dapper man in a bow tie speak about things. You have come to hear the Lord of glory proclaim the coming of his kingdom in power and in might. In a very ordinary thing, the power of God is displayed. I want you to understand something about Jesus making, his, making use of these very ordinary things. If anyone had an excuse to skip out on going to church, on fellowshipping with God's people, and prayer, it was Jesus. Why? Um, I was talking to Daniel about this on Friday night. Um, do you know what happened at their church services, at their synagogue meetings? They would go and open the Old Testament And some lay guy that didn't have any training would get up and begin to speak about the Old Testament. Can you imagine? Some some person not trained in theology, he didn't have a seminary degree, would get up and begin to preach. Jesus did not preach for 30 years. 
And week after week after week, week, he would go to the synagogue meeting in Nazareth. And he would listen to yahoos speak about him. And they had no clue it was him. They would say, well, the Messiah is going to be like this and like this and like this. And you know, this leader says this and this and this. And Jesus would sit there and listen to terrible preaching week after week after week for 30 years. Well, can't you do that for a few minutes every Sunday? (laughs) Jesus had an excuse to skip out on church and yet he didn't. Jesus also had an excuse to skip out on fellowship with God's people. He didn't need them. He didn't need to be with God's people. He was the King of kings and Lord of lords. Anything he needed was at his fingertips. He could have had it at any moment. And yet, he willingly gave up himself and said, You know what? It's not about me. It's about them. He gave of himself for their sake. Isn't that interesting? We think of fellowship as what you can give to me. And Jesus says, No, it's about what I can give to you. Fellowship in Christ's church is not about you. You see, here's the thing. If we don't fellowship with God's people, you may be fine, but I might be a wreck. I need you. I need each and every one of you. And here's the thing. You need each other. And not fellowshipping with God's people regularly means giving up on that. It means doing yourself a disservice because you need God's people. Jesus didn't, and yet he still did it. And then thirdly, Jesus didn't, uh, he prayed, but, but like I said to the children, Jesus is God. He didn't have to pray, but he loved his father. He He desired fellowship with his father, and so he did over and over and over. And I have to ask myself, what is it about my heart that that I don't like praying? That I find it so hard to pray? That prayer is a chore? What is it about prayer that that doesn't excite my heart the way that it does Jesus? Maybe it's because I, I fail to see that Jesus is my good father who loves me, who cares for me, who desires to be with me. Jesus did not neglect these things. If you go to the doctor and and you say, look, I've I've been feeling weak and, and tired and sluggish. I don't know what the problem is. He takes some blood. He does a test and he finds out you're anemic. You have an iron deficiency. And he comes back to you and he says, oh, well, you have an iron deficiency. There's actually a, a good way for you to be cured of this and, and we, can, we can help you out with this. Well, just, just eat more iron, eat more red meat. And, oh, boy, you get to eat more red meat, right? And, uh, you eat off of cast, you, you cook everything in a cast iron pot. That gives you more iron. It's, it's pretty simple to get the iron that you need. You can take little pills if you want to, but I recommend the red meat thing. That's, that's fun. But what if you were to hear your doctor say you're anemic, here's the way that you can solve that, and you say, no thanks, I'm good, I'm going to be tired and sluggish. Well, that's stupid. (laughs) Well, here I am as a pastor, as a preacher, as one that looks at you as a Christian who is sluggish and tired in your spiritual walk, and I say, look, here's your solution. Go to church. Fellowship with God's people. Eat red meat. No, um... Pray, right? It's simple. Avail yourself of the means of grace. And 
you find yourself to be spiritually nourished because that's what God intends. It's an amazing thing we see here. Jesus did it. We should too. Secondly, we see his extraordinary power. Uh, look in verse 22. Uh, yeah, verse 22, first of all. Um, and they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. Well, Jesus came with power, and when he preached, he had power. He rises to preach. And as he preaches, something amazing happens. Uh, his power is not a power uh, that is derived. He doesn't get it from anywhere else, but it comes from him. Uh, the word for power that's used is actually, it means that it's generated from God or from, from Jesus, that it comes from him. He is the source of the power and people are astonished. And I don't like that word astonished because it doesn't capture just what's happening. They are dumbstruck. They are literally blown away by the teaching. It's like that commercial that came on with the speakers that were so loud a couple of years ago. The man, they always played it during the Super Bowl. He would sit in front of the speakers, and then the speakers would come on, and he would blow back, and his hair would blow back, and everything would blow back. That's what the people were whenever they heard Jesus preached. They were blown away because of the power. Jesus doesn't say, listen to me because I know the best things. He doesn't say, listen to me, hear my preaching, hear my teaching. He isn't doesn't say, I, I, I have been taught by the best, but he says, listen to me because I am the best. I can't say that. <laughs> I have a derived power in preaching authority this morning. I don't come in my own name. Jesus came in his own name. I'm licensed by the Southern, Southern Louisiana Presbytery. I have a certificate that says, I can preach to you. I'm under authority. Jesus was the authority. And so when he preached, it was something completely different. Secondly, Look there, as he's preaching, this happens. Verse 23, immediately there was a, in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. This is an amazing thing that happens. What if uh, while we're sitting here, uh, while you're listening to me, somebody just all of a sudden started screaming out, somebody that isn't a child, started screaming out and saying all of these things and, and, and disturbing the worship service. Well, that's what happens. Uh, that happened to Amy and I once. We were at a worship service at Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi, and a woman stood up and began to demand the attention of the pastor, and we all just we, we froze up, and we don't know what to do. Well, thankfully, some of the very strong deacons came in and got her and ushered her out. It was a scary thing, but imagine that happens. Jesus is preaching. And then notice this. Now, I always thought when I read this that the man busted in and that he began to make a commotion. He was outside, but then came in. But that's not what Mark says. Notice this. Mark says that as Jesus is preaching, immediately a man begins to cry out because he has a demon inside of him. I want you to understand something. This is a man that was probably an upstanding member of the synagogue. He didn't bust in. Anytime that there's a busting in that happens, Mark points that out. But Mark says, while Jesus is preaching, a man began to cry out. A man, week after week after week, went to church with God's people. And he sat there listening, participating in the service. All the while, he was filled with an evil spirit. And then what happened? Jesus showed up. 
And that evil spirit could not take it when the king of kings began to preach, when he showed up and he began to disrupt the service. That is a terrifying prospect for you because here's the reality. You can come week after week after week and hear the preaching of God's word and never, ever meet Jesus Christ. Some of you might have a demon in you right now. That is a reality. Read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. We, we need to recognize that demons are all around us. And probably there are more demons here than angels this morning. The spiritual darkness that is there is a very present darkness. And that makes what we're doing very important. The most important thing, as a matter of fact. Again, you can come week after week after week and hear God's word and never meet Jesus Christ. But what does Jesus do in his power? He commands silent. He actually rebukes the demon. I like that. He says, shut up and come out of there. It's an amazing thing. And and the demon has no choice. He has to obey because Jesus is the true master. And then Jesus has power over the natural world. I'm going to, in a few weeks, the next couple of weeks, we're going to see this more clearly as Jesus heals Over and over, but I want you to see that Jesus has power over the natural world. Verse 30 Now Simon's mother in law lay ill with a fever, and they told him about her, and he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. And then that evening, they began to bring people with illness to him, and he healed them. And we see that Jesus has power over the natural world. He heals this woman of her fever. Um, I don't know what you're like when you have a fever. I don't have fever very often. Um, But when adults get fever, it tends to be a bad thing. It comes because of an infection, a viral or a bacterial infection, and it knocks you out. Well, here's the power. Jesus lifts her by the hand. She's completely healed so that she can serve. Um. And so he heals many people that come. Look at verse 34. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. Um, I want you to notice that Jesus doesn't heal everyone. He heals many, but he doesn't heal everyone. Uh, We kind of expect that Jesus is going to meet our needs at all times, but Jesus is the king, and he decides when and where he's going to use his power and how he's going to do it. And I just think that's an interesting thing because Jesus did not primarily come to heal the the sick. And that leads us to our our last thing, his driving purpose. Look look at verse 38 and 39. Um, Right before this, this is funny, in verse 37, the disciples lose Jesus. Uh, That's a scary thing. (laughs) Oh, I lost him. Uh, He was here, and I don't know where he is, so they have to go out looking for him. And verse 37, they say, everyone is looking for you to heal them. And Jesus says this, let us go on to the next town that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Why did Jesus come? That is the pressing question for us. And everyone kind of has an answer to that. Jesus is here to meet my needs. Jesus is here to entertain me. Jesus is here to make me feel good about myself. Jesus is here to meet what I want because I'm the king. And the disciples came to him saying, Jesus, you're so popular. You need to go do more healing so that you can get more popular. And Jesus said, I didn't come to be popular. I didn't come to do healings. That's not my primary purpose. Jesus says his purpose is not to, not to heal, not to cast out demons, but to preach the gospel. 
And Jesus goes out. He says, I need to go to the next towns because what people really need is not healing from their infirmities. What people really need is not to have their needs met or to feel good about themselves. What they really need is to hear the good news of his kingdom. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And Jesus preaches that gospel. So what do you really, really need? We have all sorts of things that occupy our mind. We have all sorts of pressing things. Some of us have been thinking the entire time about the list of stuff that is waiting for us when we get home. All of this stuff that is going on. But Jesus reminds us here of our greatest need. Our need isn't to get things done. Our need isn't to be good. Our need isn't to be better in and of ourselves. Our need isn't to feel good or to have our diseases, our infirmities healed. Our greatest need is to be right with our holy God. And when Jesus preaches the good news, he preaches the redemption of his people from sin. And that's good news. In conclusion, uh, let me remind you of this. Uh, Jesus went to a church service and he preached and it was an amazing service. The power of God was there and a demon uh, was was um, cast out of a man. What an amazing thing that would happen. But what if you had decided to sleep in on that Sunday and not go to church? It, you, you, you're walking through the town the next day and you're like, hey, what? I didn't go to church yesterday. What happened? And somebody would begin to inform you. It was amazing. This guy showed up, Jesus, and he preached, and it was like God was with us. And not only that, there was a demon. A demon? What? Yeah. A demon was there. And Jesus said, shut up. And the demon was gone. And the guy would be like, oh, I can't. The one time I missed church, I'm never missing again. You need to understand that every single week, you have an opportunity to have the power of God preached and proclaimed to you. The power of God to cast out demons. The power of God to shed light in darkness week after week after week. Every week you have the opportunity to hear from Jesus Christ. Why wouldn't you? Now, lastly, I want you to ask this. Ask this. Um, again, lots of people say Jesus is a great leader. He's a great this or that or the other. I don't care about that. Is Jesus yours? Is he yours? Can you say Jesus is my king? Jesus is my leader. Jesus demands my soul and my all. He is offered to you today. Pray by faith that he would be yours. Let's pray. Father, once again, we thank you for giving us this opportunity to hear from you. And I thank you that you work through ordinary means like the preaching of your word. Lord, you have promised that your word will never, ever return void. We pray that you, can, you would do the work by your spirit that only you can do. Convicting us of our sins, showing us the glory of your son, Jesus Christ, reminding us of your grace through him. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.